Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. Amen. So we've been talking about the fear of the Lord, which is incredible because one of the things we did is we defined the fear of the Lord is not respect because we don't have a good understanding of respect in our culture, but awe. And awe is a combination, you may remember this, of reverence, which is what Karen was just talking about, reverence that leads to revival. It's a combination of reverence and reasonable fear. Remember, there's an unreasonable fear and there's a reasonable fear. There's an irrational fear and there's a rational fear. There's an unholy fear, which is the spirit of fear, which causes anxiety and causes us to draw away from the Lord. And there is a holy fear, which is the fear of the Lord, which causes us to draw towards him and to love what he loves and to hate what he hates, right? So let me just show you this quotation. This is Oswald Chambers. He says, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. That's what the fear of the Lord does for me. The fear of the Lord makes sure that I only tremble before one being in the universe, and that being is my God and my King. So the fear of the Lord is mentioned 200 times in the Bible. And last week, as we were going through talking about it, we mentioned some of the promises, which Karen also mentioned in the word that she was delivering, the promises that come along with the fear of the Lord. This week, we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord enabling us to avoid evil. If we're living in a culture that's having a difficulty avoiding evil, we're living in a culture that has completely abandoned the fear of the Lord. But that's okay, because sin is going to sin, right? So I'm not worried about what's happening in our culture. What I'm worried about is what's happening in the church. Has the church abandoned the fear of the Lord? And if we're having trouble with sin, it's because we have trouble with the fear of the Lord. Now, you already know about the fear of the Lord because you've been singing it your entire lives. Do you guys remember the second verse of Amazing Grace? The first one is Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, right? The second one, Amazing Grace. No, that's not it. Twas grace that, that's it. Twas grace that taught my heart to and grace my fears relieved. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. Fear what? Fear God. And it was grace my fears relieved. The fear of what? The fear of anything else. We've been singing it our entire lives. Now it's time to live it. You ready? I don't believe there's like three people that were like one person is like, you ready? I guess. I mean, you're going to do it anyway. What's the point if I'm ready? I'm stuck here. Jesus said I have to go to church, whatever. (laughs) Proverbs 16.6 says this. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. It's the love of God that saves us. It's the love of God that atones for our sins. But after that, it says, by fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. It's by the love of God that I'm saved, but it's by the fear of the Lord that I stop being a sinner, stop doing sin things, avoid evil. Now, you might say, "Uh, how does that even work? I mean, how does the fear of the Lord cause me to avoid evil? So 
You remember last week we were talking about Jesus and how Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had this one great delight. This is in Isaiah 11. I'm going to read it one more time just to remind us. Isaiah 11 says that a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is talking about the son of David, who was the Messiah to come. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. I want that. The spirit of counsel and might. I want that too. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I don't know if I want that. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He has all of these aspects of the Holy Spirit, but the thing that Jesus loves the most, the thing he delights in, is the fear of the Lord. Now, I was sitting around the table with my kids, and I was talking about this word, and Jesus, and uh, Jesus, it, Jen said, it's close to Jesus. <laughs> Jen said, uh, we started talking about this word for delight, and Jen said, are you going to talk about that? And I was like, no. And then I thought, Oh, that's a bad idea. Maybe I should talk about that. This word is incredible because the word doesn't just mean delight. The word in Hebrew is ruach. It's really close to the word for spirit, close for the word for Holy Spirit. And what it means is not just to delight, but it means to smell something that's delightful. Like any of you guys love bacon? You come into the house and you smell bacon. I come into the house, I enter by the downstairs, I smell bacon upstairs, and I'm going up the stairs because that smell of bacon delights me and causes me to move towards the thing that I delight in. That's what the fear of the Lord does. Now, when I used to travel a lot, and about every month I'd, I'd go out of the country at one time or another, and I really missed my family. When I came home, Jen would almost always be there with the kids, and one of my favorite moments coming home was to hold my wife after not having seen her for a while and to put my nose down in her hair, her nice, clean, dark, beautiful hair, and to breathe in the scent of my beloved. When I breathe in that scent, I feel... I'm home. I feel delighted. I'm with the people that I desire the most. That's what this word means. His delight, Jesus' delight is in the fear of the Lord. It draws him towards the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord doesn't cause us to, to move away from him, but towards him. Now, this, uh, this, uh, this same word is used in Genesis 8, 20 through 21. You remember, Noah just survived the flood with his family and a bunch of critters in a big boat, right? They're in this flood for what seems like forever, and finally they get to dry ground, and the first thing he does when he comes out of the boat is he sets up an altar, and it would be tempting if you and I were in this situation to go, there's no people here besides me. And there's nowhere to live. Everything's muddy. And everybody on earth is dead, and I'm the only one left. But he didn't do that. He got out of the boat, and he set up an altar. Instead of complaining, he thanked God for his life and the life of his families. He praised the Lord, and he offered a sacrifice. And it says in Genesis 8, 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and, and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. That's the word for delight. It's the exact same word. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never curse the ground for man's sake again. 
Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. So the Lord smelled it. It was soothing and delightful to his heart, and then it moved him to do something. That's what the fear of the Lord does. It's a delight, and then it moves me towards God, and it moves me towards his ways. Here's another example. This is Genesis 27. This is Isaac and Jacob. You remember Isaac? Uh, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and who's the other guy? Esau. Yeah, his name means red and hairy. So he was a red, hairy dude. And Jacob wanted, his, wanted the red, hairy dude's blessing, so Jacob... Blessed, uh, dressed up in his brother's clothes, and he even took, like, goat hair and wrapped it around his arms because his brother was so hairy and his dad so blind that he was going to fool him by going, Dad, yeah, it's me. Feel my arm. And it feels like a goat. Like, that's how hairy his brother was. He was as hairy as a goat, which is gnarly. I don't know how hairy you guys are. I apologize if you're as hairy as a goat. I don't mean that personally, but I'm just saying, if you're that red and that hairy, that's gross. So, he comes up to his dad, who is, who's blind, and his dad is going to bless who he thinks is Esau. It's his firstborn son. But Jacob sneaks in. It says, and he came near, and he kissed him. This is the father, Isaac, kissing his son. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. That's the word for delight. That's the same word right there. He smelled, he, he wrapped his arms around his son, and he buried his head in his clothes and his beard, and he smelled the smell of the earth, the, the, the smell of nature and wildness, and it delighted his heart. And the very next thing he did, it moved him to bless his son. It says, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which, is, which, in, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give of you, I'm not reading this right at all, may the Lord give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. This delight moves our heart towards and moves our heart to do something. That's how Jesus feels about the fear of the Lord. And that's how he wants us to feel about the fear of the Lord. Psalm 112 says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands, moves us towards his commands. The fear of the Lord moves us towards his commands. All right, you get it? It's a sweet smell. I love the smell of the fear of the Lord. I love the smell of his ways and of his commands. It delights me. All right, so when I was younger, a more foolish man, I was pretty impressed with myself. I thought I was pretty hot. I had long flowing locks, which I would run my fingers through. Made the girls melt, didn't it, honey? <laughs> she knows that's true. <laughs> so I had a girlfriend, and we were pretty impressed with one another, and uh, we'd, we'd been up uh, late. It was the wee hours of the morning. It was in, you know, in Texas, there's already dew in the grass, and it was time for her to go home. So I was walking her out to her car, and we walked through the wet grass with the grass squishing between our toes, and we went out to the car, and, and we, uh, you know, we, we did our smoochy thing or whatever. She got into the car, and she rolled down the window, and I was, I was leaning over the window, and we were talking with one another. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's summertime in Texas, so there's going to be bugs. So I felt like stuff started biting me, so I felt like a, like a, a kind of a nip at my foot. So I reached down, and I scratched my foot, and I felt like another one. I reached down and scratched my foot. I felt one on my leg. The whole time I'm talking to her, right? And so I scratched my leg, and then, um, you know, 
I had to run my fingers through my hair. Did you see Spider-Man? Hey. <laughs> and then I cupped her face, and I kissed her, and I ran my fingers through her hair. So she leaves. I get up to go in the house, and I'm, I'm walking back to the house, and as I get through the yard, I walk back to the yard, I smell something terrible. I was like, oh, what is that awful smell? And I, I get underneath the, the, the light from our front door. I get underneath the light, and I'm like, what on earth is that smell? I'm looking around thinking, somebody pooped on my porch. It's a terrible smell. And I look down, and in between my toes, there was orange, seedy puppy poop that had squished up between, because I was barefoot, it squished up between all my toes. And I was like, ah! Oh! Gross! And so I went to the grass to start to scrape it off my foot, and then I realized, ah, it's all over my hand. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it's all up my leg. And then I realized I've been running my fingers through my hair, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I went into the house, and I start washing my hands. I'm looking in the mirror, this crap all over the side of my face, this orange poop all over the side of my face. It's, it's thick in my hair. Like, like, like hot Play-Doh in my hair. And I'm like, oh, washing my hands. And then I realized, oh. I was cupping her face. I was running my fingers through her hair. And so we didn't have cell phones back then. I had to wait. I'm like, okay, it's going to take her about 20 minutes to get back home. I waited and waited. And I called her. I had to confess to her that I just, and she, the whole time she's driving home going, what in the heck is that smell? She had poop all in her hair. She had long, blonde, curly hair. She had it on her face. Smooth. Now, that, is that disgusting? There is a reason that that's disgusting to you, because if that wasn't disgusting to you, you would do that stuff all the time. If that wasn't disgusting to you, you'd roll around in that stuff all the time, just like your dog does, because your dog doesn't think it's disgusting. If it wasn't disgusting to you, you wouldn't care that you got it on your hands. You wouldn't care that you walked in it. You wouldn't care that you got it on somebody that you cared about. Listen, I don't want to get dog poop on my wife. You're welcome. I don't want to get dog poop on my kids. I don't want to get dog poop in my hair. I don't want it on me. There's a reason that that is repulsive to us. And because it's repulsive to me, the next time I went out the door at night, you know what? I didn't walk through the yard. Because it's repulsive to me, I walked around through the driveway, didn't walk through the yard. Why? Because I had learned to avoid dog poop. Are you following me? The fear of the Lord teaches us to avoid evil. When I have the fear of the Lord, it's repulsive to me. The fear of the Lord draws me towards his ways, but evil becomes repulsive to me, abhorrent, disgusting, so that when I'm walking through life, I step around that mess. I don't want to get it on me. I don't want to get it on the people that I care about. I don't want to get it on my kids and my wife. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? Proverbs 16.6 6 says, By the fear of the Lord, people avoid evil. You avoid evil because you walk around that crap. I don't want that on me. 
I don't want to smell like that. It's disgusting. If, I don't, if there's a type of sin, whatever, if I have a pet sin that's not disgusting to me, I don't have the fear of the Lord yet. If there's something that's sin that's still attractive to me, I don't have the fear of the Lord yet. This is why we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, because we're learning to fear the right thing and to love the right thing and to be disgusted by the right things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now watch Proverbs 13.5 says this, The righteous hate what is false, but the wicked make themselves a stench. How do I make myself a stench? I don't avoid evil. I just... That's how I make myself a stench. You make your, I make myself a stench by walking through evil, getting it on me, and getting it on everything around me. That's how I make myself a stench. You guys okay? Is, is this getting through to anybody? Proverbs 8.13 says this, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. When I begin to fear the Lord, and now this doesn't mean hate a person that's doing evil. That's not what this means at all. This doesn't mean, as a church, if I have the heart of Jesus, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus didn't hate sinners. Jesus loved sinners. But I do hate sin, and I hate it in my life. I hate it getting on me. I hate when I'm attracted to it. I love it in NIV. It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. In other words, if you're taking notes, here's a good definition of the fear of the Lord. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Now, do we have a problem in the church with a lack of the fear of the Lord? We do. And this is why I say that, that the men of our church are ready for this. Because all week long I've been talking to guys and this subject has been coming up. And all week long guys have been telling me, this is what we need. This is what I need in my family. This is what I need in my heart. I need the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord which teaches me to walk in awe of him and nobody else. The fear of the Lord, which teaches me to love what he loves and hate what he hates. What hope do I have of raising a family in this culture without the fear of the Lord? And the men of this church are ready for it. And, and, and guy, if you're a man in this church and you're not ready for it, it's time for you to get ready for it. Because this is what Jesus is doing, okay? Okay, how do I know if I have the fear of the Lord? I hate evil. I'm disgusted by sin. It grosses me out. You Okay. Guys, you sure are quiet. You're making me feel like you don't like me. I, 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 I'm real, taking it real personally. Okay, so first, the fear of the Lord teaches me to avoid evil. Secondly, the fear of the Lord teaches me wisdom. The word wisdom in Hebrew is chokhmah. It means prudence, but it also means ethical and religious choices. Prudence in being able to make ethical and religious choices. We're in a culture right now that is trying to preach to us constantly what proper ethics are. And the fear of the Lord is what teaches me to be able to make proper decisions in terms of ethics. The, the, our world is trying to preach to us what proper religion is. The world doesn't know what proper religion is. They don't have a clue. They don't have an absolute clue what ethics are, but they're always trying to preach it to us. You don't have to listen to that preaching. The fear of the Lord is what gives me the wisdom to be able to make those proper choices. Let's look at some scripture. This is Proverbs 3, 7 through 8. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. 
a fool thinks he's wise. All these experts are constantly trying to tell us, listen, you killed God in your heart decades ago, and you killed science in the last five years. Why should I listen to a word you say? You, you have no sense of sanity, and you're trying to preach to me constantly. They're fools. Not by my definition, by God's. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. By the way, here's a bonus. Then you'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Like I said last week, people ask me all the time, why do we see so many healings in places like Africa and South America and China, and we don't see as many healings here in the United States? The fear of the Lord. That's why. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord comes by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God also brings healing when a people submit themselves to the fear of the Lord. Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. That word beginning means the foundation, the starting place, the birthplace. It means the first fruit. If you have the fear of the Lord, the first fruit that starts to pop out in your life is wisdom. The ability to make good, prudent choices. And if I don't have the fear of the Lord, then you don't have the first fruit of the fear of the Lord, which is the ability to make good, prudent choices. People, you've heard people, this is like kind of common now to say, um, I'm making better choices than I was before. Listen, you can do that for a little while, but long term, you're not going to be able to make good choices without the fear of the Lord. Because making good choices is a fruit of the fear of the Lord. It's what's born from it. And it says it's the beginning of wisdom. In other words, I just start becoming wise when I have the fear of the Lord. If I don't have the fear of the Lord, have I begun to become wise? Say that again. I just start becoming wise when I have the fear of the Lord. If I don't have the fear of the Lord, have I begun to become wise? No, you haven't even started. So when I'm weighing a person's opinion, one of the things I'm weighing is, does that person have the fear of the Lord? Because if they don't have the fear of the Lord, they haven't even begun to become wise yet. So why should I listen to them? I can have compassion for them without weighing their opinion. That person, dear ones, this is by God's definition, not mine, is a fool. Only the, 80s, only the 80s kids know Mr. T, right? I pity the fool. I pity the fool don't have fear of the Lord. I don't listen to the fool. Psalm 25, 12 makes this really clear. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the way they should choose. In other words, the fear of the Lord is what enables me to choose well, to make good ethical and religious choices. Okay? Does that make sense? The fear of the Lord is how we learn to make godly choices it, because it's, it's what enables us to, to go, uh, I love that and I don't love that. The reason I love that is because God does. I, I hate this, and I love that. The reason I hate that is because God does. This is stinky, and that is attractive. Why is that stinky and disgusting? Because it's stinky and disgusting to God. The fear of the Lord has caused me to think that evil is a stench. It's disgusting. So it causes me to be able to choose between things because it, makes, it, it enables those, those right 
uh, weighing measures. Which brings us to number three. The fear of the Lord teaches us to avoid evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord right-sizes our choices. What do I mean? What I mean is humanity has a tendency to obey whatever looms large in our eyes. Humanity has a tendency to obey whatever looms large in our hearts. So if we have a temptation that looms large in our hearts, we're going to obey that temptation. If there's an anxiety, anxiety is when something besides God looms large and it's scary to us. If there's a person whose opinion really matters to us, maybe even more than God's opinion, that's called the fear of man, that thing looms large and we will weigh that opinion more than we weigh the opinion of God. That's just human nature. Whatever looms large to us is what we submit to, is what we obey. The fear of the Lord right-sizes that stuff. So temptation supersizes my needs. Temptation supersizes my sin. Have you ever been so tempted to do something that you were trembling? You're like, oh. Anybody who's ever been addicted to anything knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. Have you ever been so tempted to do something? And by the way, shopaholics do the same thing. They're like, I shouldn't spend money, but oh, I have to, 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 to click, click. They have to. I shouldn't eat that donut, but oh. And it's like that donut becomes the donut of all donuts. It becomes this enormous donut in my, in my heart. It becomes an enormous, irresistible donut. I can't say no to the donut. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's gossip. You cannot not keep your mouth shut. It's like, oh, I got to say something. That news that you have, I know this thing, and it's so big, I have to share it. I got to get it. That's a temptation. And it makes us tremble. It seems so big in our sights. Guys, one of the biggest idols in the American church right now is porn. Sexual sin of every kind. And we, oh, we tremble. We want to do it so badly. That thing has become supersized in our hearts so much that we even define ourselves by it, by the thing that makes us want, you know. We've supersized our need. We've supersized our wants. We've supersized sin because that temptation has been so huge. The fear of the Lord right-sizes that thing. The fear of the Lord takes that behemoth temptation and shrinks it down compared with the majesty and the awesomeness of God. The fear of the Lord is what diminishes that thing and right-sizes it so that we can say, I will not tremble before that. I will tremble before him. And we're able to choose wisely. And it's really not that big a giant. We'll talk about it in a minute. The fear of the Lord, listen, um, Anxiety is supersized when I don't have the fear of the Lord. 
The Bible calls it the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear supersizes my anxieties, and I can become really stressed. I have a tendency to do this sometimes. Right now, there's something that, that I'm kind of worried about, and if I'm not careful, it'll wake me up at night. If I'm not careful, it'll, it'll try to possess my thoughts. That thing's becoming too big for its britches. The fear of the Lord is what minimizes that thing. It right-sizes it so that I realize my anxiety is not bigger than my God who can take care of my needs. The fear of the Lord right-sizes it so that I can choose wisely. Do you know what the fear of man is? The fear of man is when I revere people more than I revere God. The fear of man is when I revere the opinions of people or a person or my culture more than I revere the opinions of God. The fear of man is when I'm more concerned with offending people than I am with offending God. You guys hear what I'm saying? We, we, are like, we are like a dog with ticks and fleas. We are completely covered with the fear of the Lord in the church. I mean, with the fear of man in the church. Because we care way too much what our culture thinks about us, and it's scaring us to death, and it's immobilizing us. The fear of man makes mankind, humanity, people, and their opinions huge in our eyes, looms in our hearts. What if they cancel me? What if they say I'm mean? What if they call me a name? Looming in our sights. Only by the fear of the Lord is that thing minimized, is that thing right-sized so that we see the fear of man is nothing beside the fear of a mighty God. I care about his opinion, not their opinion. Now, that doesn't mean I have compassion on people. I want to have compassion on people. I do care about what they care about. If, you're, if you have an opinion about sin and you're really hurt because it's something that's dear to you and you have all kinds of brokenness in your heart, I'm going to care about that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to say you're right because I don't have an opinion about that anymore. I've got a king. And my king is bigger than anybody's opinion, including mine. It is the fear of the Lord that right-sizes that thing. Whose opinion matters? That's right. Who, whose offense matters? The fear of, the fear of man is, is the idol of, of modern humanity. Even if I am more concerned with my wants and my desires and my needs than I am with God, that's still the fear of man. I'm just the man. I'm the man that makes me tremble. The fear of man is me following my passions rather than me following Jesus' passions. That's still the fear of man. Fear, uh, Proverbs 29.25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. One translation says, Trembling before man is a trap. Another translation says, Being in awe of man is a trap. I shouldn't be in awe of people's opinions. I shouldn't fear or tremble before people. I shouldn't regard them as highly as I regard the Lord. You guys okay? There's a great story. This is in Daniel 3, and I mentioned this last week. I told you guys last week, it's by the fear of the Lord that David faced Goliath. It's by the fear of the Lord that Daniel faced the lion's den, and it's by the fear of the Lord that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the fire. You guys remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These are three young kids. They're just teenagers, and they were captured in Israel, Judah actually, and they were brought into Babylon. And they were made servants of King Nebuchadnezzar, who was an arrogant fool of a man. 
He was a fool of a man because a fool says in his heart there is, so, there is no God. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I am God. That dude, <laughs> that is a fool of a man. They were made to serve this man. And he decided that he was going to set up a statue, a golden statue, an idol that was 90 feet tall. And he said, I'm going to set it out on this plane. We're going to surround it with worship musicians. And every time the music plays, everybody's got to hit the dust. Everybody's got to bow down to this idol that I've made in my honor. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego feared the Lord, and they loved their God. And they refused to bow. So when the music played and thousands of other people hit the dirt, they refused to bend their knee to the idol that this king had set up. He had basically invented a new religion. Guys, there are new religions being invented around us all the time. Our culture invents new things for us to bow to all the time. And Nebuchadnezzar had set up this new religion, this new thing that everybody's got to bow to. He, he blew the horns. Everybody hit the dust except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood there with their arms folded. They're like 17 years old. Like just kids. They had no strength, no power. They had no way to resist this king except for not doing it. So they stood there and they didn't do it. In their hearts they're saying, you can set up an idol, but I'm not going to bow to it. Never. You can invent a new truth, but I'm not going to bow to it. Never. That was in their hearts. So the king said, you guys, we're going to try this one more time. We're going to play the trumpets. And when you hear the jazz, you hit the floor. If you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fire. We're going to kill you guys. And he was starting to get ticked off. He liked them. They're really good servants. But you can get new servants. So he's going to burn these guys alive. He plays the music again. They refuse to bow. So he pulls them together, and he's about to throw them in the fire. And this is what they said. It says, this is in Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, they're respectful. Watch this. Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Why don't they need to defend themselves? Because they've got a king that's bigger than this guy. They've got a king that's bigger than this king's opinion. They've got a king whose truth is bigger than this new truth. They don't have to defend themselves. I don't have to defend yourself, myself. I've got a God. Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. We respectfully refuse. Kill us if you have to, but we will not bow. What's going on in these guys' hearts? Everybody in the world is seeing a 90-foot statue, but they had the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord right-sized that. And they didn't see a 90-foot statue. They saw a hunk of metal and a king that wasn't worthy of their worship. And they saw beside it a God who was much bigger than a 90-foot idol, much more powerful, much more worthy of their worship. And it enabled them to make a good choice. I choose God. That thing doesn't loom as big in my sight as the Lord looms in my sight. There was a king talking. This guy, is the, at the time, he's like the king of nations. He's so powerful, and he's ticked off. He's angry. Listen, you know you got a tyrant on your hands when you refuse to bow to their idols, and they go, Rah! You gotta bow! I made this 
this new thing and everybody's got to bow to it. I've got to, I'm sorry, baby. Tyrants make babies cry. I'm sorry, sweetie pie. I'll talk nice now. I'm so sorry. She's so sweet. You don't want to make the babies cry. The fear of the Lord took that angry, violent, temper tantrum-throwing tyrant and right-sized him. My king is bigger than this human king. Their lives were on the line. They were going to die. They were going to be burned up. Have you ever feared for your life? Have you ever feared for your well-being? It's coming. I guarantee you it's coming. What's going to happen when they tell you bow or else? What are you going to do? Only the fear of the Lord right-sizes that so that your life is small next to everlasting life and the king of everlasting life. Should I fear God or should I fear my culture? Luke, 20, uh, Luke 12, verse four through five says, this is Jesus speaking. This doesn't sound Jesus-y to some people because Jesus is really loving and kind and he never says anything harsh and, until he does. Like, watch this. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. Once they kill your body, you're free. Your body's what you're worried about. Don't be afraid of a culture that can kill your body. They're just going to, ele- you, you like Obi-Wan Kenobi, once they kill your body, you're free in the force. <laughs> don't be afraid of that. You don't have to fear Darth Vader. I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yeah, he's the one you should fear. <laughs> what are they going to do to you? Are they going to cancel you? They're going to call you names. They're going to take your job. They, they are eventually going to come for your jobs. People lost their job over the pandemic for refusing to bow to something they didn't believe in. They're going to take your kids. I tell you what, there, there's a new truth, and they're going to make it illegal for you to disobey it. I guarantee you it's coming. It's already in Canada. And they're going to threaten to take your kids. They are. They're going to threaten to take your property. That's right. They're going to threaten to take your life. That time's coming. We've got to decide who we fear And we've got to allow that fear to right-size the fear of man so that we can make choices that are wise choices. Evil has to remain disgusting to us. It has to become disgusting and remain disgusting to us because we're the church of God. Uh, Psalm 36, I love this. Psalm 36, 10 through 12. Listen, if this offends you, I'm just reading this, okay? I'm just reading it. If it's offensive to you, it's not me, it's the Bible says this, don't let the bullies kick me around. You ever feel like you're being kicked around by culture? Like you have to do what they say or else? says, the moral midgets slap me down. The moral midgets slap me down. They're slapping me down. This is what happens when, when the fear of the Lord right-sizes other people's opinion. Suddenly what seemed large, their opinions are so important. Suddenly, ethically, morally, theologically, they're small. These these are like moral midgets kicking me in the ankles. God, make them stop. Send the upstarts sprawling flat on their faces in the mud. God, smack them. Make them stop doing that stuff. Because the fear of the Lord dwarfs the fear of everything else in our sight. His holiness is grand and gigantic and mighty next to the fear of everything else. That's offensive, Zach. Take it up with the word. What am I supposed to do? Psalm 89 verse 7 says this, 
the highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He's far more awesome than all who surround his throne. There is not a single spiritual being that was ever made in all of the universe, in universes upon universes, that can stand in the presence of God and not look tiny. He's far more awesome than anything else around his throne. And someday I'm going to answer to him. I'm going to have to face him. And in that day, the moral midgets aren't going to be standing beside me so I can go, but he made me. In that day, the devil's not going to be standing beside me so I can go, he made me. In that day, whoever pressured me, all my temptations, they're not going to be there for me to blame. I'm just going to have to talk to God one-on-one, me by myself, and answer. This is what the word says in 2 Corinthians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body. This is not talking about salvation. This is after salvation. This is after the saved go home. After, after we've already been separated out. People who don't believe go where they want to go, which is hell because they don't want to be with God. And people who do believe go where they want to go because they do want to be with God. And once we go there, we're still going to have to stand before him and answer. Each and every one of us is someday going to face God. And when I face God, everything else is going to be nothing. Did you know in the face of God, Lucifer, this big scary demon, the devil himself, is nothing? I'll show you. This is in Isaiah 14. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. A lot of your translations probably say Lucifer, son of the dawn. How you've fallen from heaven. You've been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend. Look at him trying to become big. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars. I'm going to supersize myself. I'll sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of uh, Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's our culture is doing that right now. I'm going to supersize myself so I'm bigger than God to you. 15, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Watch this. You, those who see you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? This little guy? He's the one that made us because when you face God, you're going to see there's absolutely no comparison between God and the devil. This little guy is who tempted me. This little guy is who frightened me. This little guy is who wooed so many hearts away from the Lord. That guy, that guy's pathetic. In comparison with God, the devil is nothing. When I see my temptations before God, they're nothing. When I hear the opinions of man beside God, they are nothing. When I see my fears and my anxiety beside God, they're nothing. Because the fear of the Lord right-sizes everything. And when I see him, I will see him as he is. Majestic, powerful, almighty. The fear of the Lord sizes everything, which is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord doesn't even put people's opinions on the scale with God's. Doesn't even move the dial. The fear of the Lord doesn't even put anxiety on the scale 
doesn't even move the dial. The fear of the Lord doesn't even put temptation on the scale against God. Doesn't even move the dial. I want the fear of the Lord. And that's why the fear of the Lord preempts revival. Because the fear of the Lord allows me to face the fire with a desire for the Lord to burn off anything that's got to go. I got puppy crap on my hands. Burn it off, God. God, bottle my shoes. Burn that stuff off, God. I don't want any of that stuff. So how many of you, how many of you are thinking, I need that. I need that. I need that too. How do I know if I have, if I do not have the fear of the Lord? If I'm still attracted to sin, I don't have the fear of the Lord. If I'm not disgusted by it. If, if there's one that I love, if there's one that I'm not taking seriously, or that I have a casual relationship with holiness, I like make an excuse for it, I don't have the fear of the Lord yet. If I'm anxious and troubled and something looms larger in my sight than God, I need more of the fear of the Lord. If I'm concerned about what other people think of me, I need more of the fear of the Lord. Just close your eyes for a moment and I wanna ask you a question. I, I, I don't think it's probably possible that any of us have perfected this. I know that I haven't. I know that this is something that I'm working out with fear and trembling. And I know that there are things in my life that need to be right-sized because something has loomed large in my sight, sometimes even bigger than God in my sight. And I wanna invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, is there something in my life that needs to be right-sized? Just ask him, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Is there something in my life that needs to be right-sized? him this, is there a sin that I'm harboring, that I'm permitting, that still smells kind of sweet to me when it really should be disgusting? And ask him if there's, is there an area in my life that I need wisdom and I'm having a hard time making good choices because it's hard to weigh things right. The fear of the Lord is a gift of grace. When the Lord gives us grace, he gives us grace for salvation, but that grace doesn't just save us. That grace teaches us to say yes to godliness and no to ungodliness. So a lot of times we'll just take that grace for salvation and we don't allow it to keep working in us. We don't allow it to keep working so that we learn to say yes to godliness and no to ungodliness. Philippians 2, let me just read this over us. Dear friends, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, 
it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And this is what we're going to do right now. As the Lord is speaking, we're going to sing another worship song. And the reason we're going to sing another worship song is because worship cooperates with the fear of the Lord, brings us into that holy place where there's nothing bigger than the awesome God. So we're going to ask the Lord to once again present before us the awesomeness of Jesus Christ. And as that's happening, I want to ask you to allow the Lord to speak to you. Holy Spirit, speak to me. We're going to have an altar call at the end, but if you feel like even as we're worshiping, I need the fear of the Lord. I got to have that. I got to have it right now. You can stay right where you are if you want to. You can hit your knees at the altar if you want to, because this is what happens. When we decide that we hate our sin and when we decide that we hate having other things supersized in our minds and our hearts, we turn ourselves towards the Lord. That's called repentance. And we say, God, I want what you want. I got to have it. God, I want what you got for me. I got to have it. And that's when change happens, when we desire it. And so I want to ask Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move inside of us right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would abolish the spirit of fear in this house. And that in every single one of us, you would pour out, even as we worship you, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now let's worship together and let him, let him speak. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.